0: RT Lab was created with the intention of helping bridge the gap between the various healthcare professions. My name's Amy. I'm a registered respiratory therapist. Some of you may know me as Breathe Easy from Instagram and YouTube. Over my time on social media, I've seen that the biggest cause for this divide is that we don't know enough about what each other do. So let's try to fix that. Stick around to see who our guest for this podcast is, and let's get into it. All right, guys, welcome back to RT Lab. I actually have Gary RT here with me. If you guys don't follow him on Instagram already, you guys need to be doing so. He is an RT in California. He's a brand new FIGS ambassador and is currently working with uh, patients affected by COVID 19. I'm going to hand it over to you for a second so you can tell us a little more about yourself and a little bit of your background. How are you doing, Gary?
1: Hi, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This is really (laughs) exciting. Um, So for those of you who don't know me, kind of repeating a little bit, my name is Gary. I am a fairly new respiratory care practitioner. It's only been about a year. Um, I live here in Los Angeles, California. I work at two different hospitals dealing with these COVID patients. So it was quite um, a warm welcome into respiratory <laughs> with a <laughs> respiratory pandemic happening globally shortly after, you know, getting, at least I was able to get used to my hospital, you know, before it happened. <laughs>
0: right, um, That's
1: the warm welcome, huh? <laughs> exactly. But um, yeah, I grew up here in LA. Um, I used to do acting and film and I went to school for respiratory and my grandma's a respiratory care practitioner. So that's how I knew about respiratory. And I just kind of looked it up and fell in love with it. And now here I am.
0: (laughs) Do you remember kind of what your, like what your first thoughts were as you started working and kind of started hearing about coronavirus emerging in other countries because personally i know this is horrible but i remember having a lot of faith in our healthcare system maybe maybe a little <laughs> bit too much faith and thinking yeah. oh it'll well, be bad here yeah it's serious but i don't think it'll affect affect us as it's affected other countries do you kind of have any like do you recall what you were thinking
1: yeah i think i totally agree with that i think initially you know unfortunately there are a lot of diseases and viruses that hit other parts of the world a little more than they do in the US. And so I think initially, I kind of just thought it was an isolated type incident and, you know, I don't think anyone could have quite prepared for everything being closed down and for, um, you know, just all the social distancing and quarantine and all of that um, that has occurred. But yeah, I don't think we thought that it was going to be this crazy big thing. And even when we did start getting cases, you know, um, it was kind of like, oh, it's just it's like the flu. You know, Um, these patients are coming in. Oh, it's just it looks like pneumonia. And you didn't really think anything of that. And then I remember specifically asking some older RTs um, in my department, like, what do you think of this? You know, because they have been around for um, other respiratory, you know little pandemics and whatnot. And um, initially, they all thought like, Oh, you know, it's just like the flu as well. And um, now they've come to say that it's worse than anything they've experienced. So it's definitely um, you know, it's been a scary journey, I guess you could say,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, you and I went to school around similar times. I graduated hmm. just shortly before you. And so I had been through one flu season and it was a pretty bad flu season. And we had just gotten through my second flu season as a respiratory therapist. So when What's COVID that? started affecting Las Vegas more, I, I I don't know how bad it was affecting your area yet, but I remember we would kind of talk and talk about a little bit of like the differences of what we were seeing or how our hospitals were handling things. And it seems like now that um, Las Vegas has kind of, Leveled out we hit our plateau and then decreased. We're We're starting to have a slight increase again now But it seems like you guys got hit a little bit later than we did. Do you remember? Um, some of your first thoughts and experiences I don't know if you guys were having shortages of PPE once, once things started ramping up a little bit for you guys Or if you've stayed pretty stable because I remember having a couple of conversations and you guys had like bunny suits or something. And I was so jealous. I was like, you guys have bunny suits? I've got a plastic gown and a face shield that's breaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So I mean, I think definitely in the beginning, we had, you know, we had the bunny suits, we had the face shields, we had all of the proper PPE, we had booties. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, initially some of the things were like, oh, these are typically only for surgery, but they brought them up and stuff like that. And those definitely, you know, went through, we went through those. We went through even like sterilized, like trying to spray them with alcohol and wipe them down and reuse them. And like, and now they, you know, they're just trashed. Right. And we've gone through the name brand face shields to the non-name brand face shields, or you can tell they're a little more cheapy, to ones that look like people donated that they made in their garage, you know? So, um, <laughs> Which is very nice,
0: but still, it's a little a little dodgy sometimes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we've definitely gone through the spectrum of having the different types of PPE, but we have never been short of PPE, thankfully. Um, this is at my main facility. At my other facility, they're pretty okay, but they are kind of asking to save your N95s. And, you know, they're not giving us face shields. They're not giving us hair nets or hair caps. They're, um, you know, they're only giving us a certain amount of N95s per night and you have to reuse mm-hmm. it. Um, And over there, I'm using patient belonging bags as booties. So, um, you know, it's a little different at both areas. But thankfully, at my main hospital, we have not been short. We get fresh new PPE every day. Um, We've been very lucky. The thing we are short on, though, are uh, the purple wipes. I don't know if they're purple at your hospital.
0: Oh, yeah. I think you have a really interesting perspective because you're getting to watch this play out at it, at two different facilities, and it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear how different each location handles them because I used to, you know, hear from coworkers and friends in Las Vegas how their facility was handling things, but it's different hearing it than actually getting to see it and be part of it at multiple facilities.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool and interesting to see how they're both handling it. Um, you know, at my main facility, we have designated COVID RTs, and they are the only RTs that go to the COVID ICU, that go to the COVID floors, that respond to the COVID code blues. And at my other facility, you're having, you're mixing your patients. You're having some COVID patients and you're having some normal patients. So. Um, that, that's pretty interesting in that aspect. At but, both facilities, we do have subacutes and we are completely keeping the subacute respiratory therapists away from the COVID I side. Think
0: that's amazing. That's that's the way it should be, I think. I know for us in the beginning, we were not short on PPE. In the beginning, we had everything and then it slowly morphed into reusing things and using it mm-hmm. for as long as possible, but we usually had access to something new daily. They did try to keep RT separate, but we got to a point where people were either getting sick or we were so busy that people had to be rotated out. They tried their best to keep the RT separate, but unfortunately, that ended up not being uh, a realistic option for us because we got so busy in the end. And for for you guys, when you guys had the COVID ICU, you said you Mm -hmm. attend all of the the codes and the intubations for COVID patients. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have to sign up to be the COVID ICUs or do you guys kind of like rotate it? How does that work for you guys if if you're comfortable sharing that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, generally everybody is okay with being in the COVID unit. Um, There's a few of us that were a little skeptical or scared because they have families at home, young children. But, you know, I think once we found out that we were getting hazard pay, a lot of people were like, OK, <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'm OK with this. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, and, you know, let me kind of talk about also, I think in the beginning it was a lot more scary. Um, right. COVID, I think, was um, it was almost like, oh, my gosh, if I'm in the room, I'm contaminated and I'm going to get it. And that's mm-hmm. how scared you are. And you know, don't get me wrong. I still go into the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope my N95 fits properly. I hope, you know, I don't get it today. I hope I don't bring anything home. Uh, those thoughts are still there. But I think in the very beginning, everyone was really scared. And now that we have kind of um, seen it progress and see that like, okay, if you touch a doorknob in this COVID patient's room, if you wash your hands, you're not gonna get it. You know what I mean? I think. Right. The unknown was so scary. Yeah, exactly. And now that we have some more information and some more experience, we've, we're a little more comfortable and everyone's a little more comfortable being around it. And people are trying the COVID unit and being like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Um, Especially, you know, that most of them are on the ventilator. It's a closed circuit. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so when it comes to codes and whatnot, it's, You know it's definitely harder because like tonight for example we just had a code for about an hour like 40 minutes ago and typically in a code you know all of the rts can come and one person's setting up the intubation tray one person's setting up the vent one person's doing cpr one person's bagging and now for tonight for example there's only two of us in the covid unit So to have to get the vent to set up the intubation tray, to put the papper on, to paper the doctor, to help with CPR, you know, it's it's a lot. And um, it's definitely, our hands are definitely full and it's definitely not as smooth and as easy because you do have to prepare before you can go into the room. Um, So it definitely comes with its challenges.
0: Great point, because a lot of hospitals are trying to minimize exposure regardless. So that's been a real challenge at a lot of facilities, especially Mm -hmm. at least for the RTs, either when you have multiple codes going on at once or even just trying to handle one with so few people in the room, you don't Mm -hmm. realize how nice it is to have that extra set of hands or two as a respiratory therapist until you no longer have access to that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like I said, how we are a little more comfortable with going in and out of the room. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we do get some more help with the nurses, where I think maybe if it was just starting, it would be like four people in the room, five people in the room, and that was it. Um, thankfully, mm-hmm. with this code, you know, we have some people going in and out, grabbing supplies as needed. Um, so... Yeah, there's definitely that slight more comfort level because we know a little bit more. We know how to work around it. We know what to do.
0: But uh, it's
1: definitely intense and different.
0: Yeah, one thing I have found really interesting about this whole pandemic is the power of social media. When it first started hitting Las Vegas, at least... We were able to reach out to people from other cities, other states, other countries to see what types of precautions were working from them to minimize exposure, like clamping ET tubes and using HEPA filters on on Ambu bags and various other things. What types of, were you guys able to kind of like harness that power of social media a little bit for your facility? Because I I know we actually had a couple of protocols for COVID patients get started just because of conversations that were being had on social media.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. We were doing that exact same thing. We were hearing of these hospitals doing high flow and this hospital not intubating as quickly and uh, using the filters, you know, before we weren't bagging. And um, now we're bagging with the filter on. And, you know, um, once they're intubated, we're like, okay, it's okay to bag with the filter. Um, We're trying to, like, high flow as much as we can before Mm -hmm. intubation now, where before it was, like, no high flow.
0: Straight Um, to intubation, right? I remember that phase. Straight to intubation.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure how much it's helping with us. I feel like eventually we still have to intubate, Um, but it's nice to know that we're trying not to intubate because a lot of these patients aren't making it out. Um, And, you know, it's unfortunate. And also it's like, even though I'm in LA, my friends who work at other hospitals in LA aren't as busy as my hospital. So I find that intriguing also.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it does have to do with location because we mm-hmm. experienced something similar before our peak hit in Las Vegas. Um, my hospital ended up being one of the busiest hospitals. The two busiest hospitals um, most likely were due to the location of the hospitals where we were just being Flooded with patients, and my sister, who works at another hospital as a nurse on the complete opposite side of town, it took them a lot longer to get their first ICU level patients. So, I would, you know, be asking her questions about what they were doing there, and it hadn't hit them yet. So, it gave her a lot to think about for what they would do once they got to that point because we were the same city in the same city, just different hospitals, but completely different experiences.
1: Definitely location based. I mean my hospital's in a, I would say, a not as wealthy area as mm-hmm. one that my friend works at. So that could play a part. Um, it could be the, you know, the the racial differences of who lives in this area, who lives in that, who knows, you know. Um,
0: right. And that's, that's something that that we had happen as well, they have shown that with COVID there is, and healthcare in general, there's a racial disparity and a lot of Mm -hmm. issues that go into that and the way it affects the way people are able to get access to treatment or just treatment in general. So I think um, if you look at the numbers for COVID, you can see that racial disparity, even in the locations of who has been affected the most by it Mm -hmm. and the mortality rates of those patients, which is just Insane.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing really high uh, numbers for African American individuals, but in my mm-hmm. experience, I feel like I'm seeing more like Latino Hispanic. Um, what do mm-hmm. you What are you seeing? what What's your demographic like?
0: Probably depends on the the location of your hospital, but those are two of the most affected groups of people, um, and we had quite a large population of both that were affected. We did not have very many Caucasian patients. Um, and again, that could be due to demographics of where my hospital is located. It could be due mm-hmm. to uh, disparities in health care and access to affordable and good health care. There's yeah. so much that goes into it. I'd love to see kind of some more studies on that in the future and maybe how we can work towards preventing things like this in the future, because it's really unfortunate when you see a whole community of people being overwhelmingly affected more than another.
1: Yeah, and what I've noticed is a lot of people have high blood pressure, diabetes. Is this something that could have possibly been prevented if they had the proper care, if they knew they had these um, issues going on, and if they had the proper medications, if they're you know treating themselves right? I wonder if that could have possibly prevented them, um, you know, getting so bad so quick
0: right it's definitely possible for some some patients of course Mm -hmm. because you know comorbidities do play um, a big factor in risk for a lot of these patients and again that all goes back to having access to affordable and easy access to Mm -hmm. healthcare and having that trust within the system, even if there is a facility in your area, having that trust and knowing that you are going to get the care that you deserve. So I think that the way a lot of different races have been affected specifically by this really kind of showed a lot of the weak points in healthcare within our country also.
1: Oh yes, I hope there is a big change in what's to come. I hope we learn a lot of lessons from this you know
0: hopefully i i really hope so as well have you guys seen um more of a spike recently what types of things have you been
1: seeing in la to try to combat the disease so we are doing um social distancing um any stores that are open are doing the six feet away there's markers on the ground there's Um, there was no dine-in recently this week Um, a lot of places opened up for dining in um, I did go to pick up food takeout and I saw that all the waiters had masks and gloves and they actually had face shields I was like wow some hospitals don't even have face shields right you but, feel like they have better um,
0: PPE than we have <laughs> exactly
1: my other facility we don't even have face shields I'm using an old one so oh no like, but good for them you know right um, right they of- need to be protected too of course <laughs> yes and all the tables were all spread out um I've you know, masks are now mandatory in California. Um, Before they were mandatory, and then they lifted that per, um, like each county got to choose. And uh, now the governor said that masks are absolutely, like they have to be necessary, have to be worn at all times. Yeah, you know, places are opening up, but our cases, our testing numbers keep rising. Um, I feel like every week in our ICU, it's a little different story. Uh, today, we only have uh, two or we have three vent- vented uh, COVID patients right now. Um, one just tested negative and we transferred them out today. And then another That's one. That's great. Um, yeah. And three others are just on O2, but they are in the ICU. And one of them coded and unfortunately passed. And then we do have some other Stable COVID patients on the floors. Um, it's really important to stay cautious. You know, uh, we have not had a second big spike. I would say
0: good. I mean, and I'm I'm hoping for you guys too because Las Vegas just recently opened up. Uh, most of the casinos on the strip. And can I tell you how many California license plates I've been seeing coming over now, (laughs) all of a sudden, so I'm like, please, California, do your thing. Because if we go bad, you go bad and vice versa.
1: (laughs) I know everyone's going to travel there and give it to your residents. And then all of the California residents are going to come back here and give it to our (laughs) residents. Right,
0: exactly. It's just going to be like a giant circle. Um, Have you guys seen a lot of pushback in your area we've had um here in las vegas we had protests regarding the shutdown which in my opinion was probably the best thing we could have done if these people could have seen the inside of the hospital by the Mm -hmm. second week maybe second almost third week if it had continued like that we would have been completely overwhelmed we took over multiple icus um multiple floors Um, But we still had so much pushback about the shutdown and even now there's been a lot of pushback regarding mask usage. Have you guys been seeing similar things there or have people been a little Um, more accepting?
1: So almost the exact same thing in the very beginning when we were hit really hard. There was a time actually just a few weeks ago where we ran out of all of our ventilators. The rental company said you guys are on page three to get more. Um, so we were like, we have no idea what we're going to do. We used our LTVs, we used all of our PB, PB840s. Um, so if somebody else coded that night, I have no idea what we would have done. Um, so I think closing it, you know, closing down and, uh, we were on lockdown for weeks and I think that was absolutely necessary to slow down. You know, I don't, I think at first people didn't realize it was for the hospitals. It was to, slow down all of the patients coming into the facilities and making sure we weren't overwhelmed. I think once that um, everyone realized that that was the reason, I think everyone almost was okay with it. Um, You know, there's obviously gonna be those, few who are going against it. There's definitely some videos and Walmart and Costco, and even now, you know, where people are not wearing masks and the employees unfortunately have to deal with these patients and argue with these patients. Um, and I just think it's ridiculous, the fact that people, um, you know, can't do something, people don't like to do things that is an inconvenience to them. And if it's not happening to them or their loved ones, they don't think it's a big deal. Um, And if in five years we say, you know what, we actually didn't need to close down and we didn't need to wear masks, um, at least you did something that was not hurtful to anybody. You know what I mean?
0: Right, right. Um,
1: At the end of the day, you know, it's just to save other people. Uh, I've read countless stories of people who accidentally got eight other people sick because they didn't know and they were asymptomatic and they never had, you know? So it's like just to save one person it's so, I mean, it just seems so simple to me.
0: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. If I, if wearing a mask is the difference between me being slightly uncomfortable, but maybe you and I have a little bit of higher tolerance to wearing masks since we wear them regularly. It's, it's, yeah. I don't even realize I'm wearing one anymore most of the time. Mm-hmm. If, so that difference between me wearing a mask and being slightly uncomfortable with a mask on my face And someone dying, if that's the difference, I'd rather be uncomfortable for, you know, however long I'm wearing that mask than to potentially infect someone and have them pass away. I think about it the same way I think about hand hygiene, kind of. And I remember when I was training that our infection control, uh, one of the heads of infection control explained it like this. Nobody wants to think that if they forget to wash their hands, or they forget to use hand sanitizer, that they could potentially be the person that killed that patient, because they'll never know, because they're not going to see that physical transfer. But if you tell them, you're the one that transferred that bacteria or that virus to that patient, Imagine how that would feel, but it's much easier to ignore and just be like, oh, I forgot, and not go back and use that hand sanitizer or not wash their hands because they don't see how it's affecting that person because they don't physically see the damage it caused. Mm-hmm. So nobody wants to admit they could potentially be the reason that somebody else dies or gets infected. And I think that that's it's just kind of a
1: it boggles for my lack mind. of
0: a, <laughs> yeah, it boggles my mind. To me, it's very selfish, but that's just very, my personal opinion.
1: <laughs> it's Very selfish. And, you know, I actually like going around. I love seeing everybody washing their hands, using hand sanitizer, washing down their workstations. Because those were things I already did because I was like a little germaphobe. And so I right? love to see <laughs> everyone being clean. I love when I go out, like, for example, where did I go? I went somewhere where they were making my food and they were wearing a mask and I was like, you know what, that's kind of gross that they didn't wear a mask before, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right, you're like, (sighs) now
0: that I think about it, when I think about all those people sniffling and sneezing
1: and... (laughs) She opened up the containers to be like, oh, your pizza is here, you know, and I was thinking like, man, normally she would just open up the container and say, one pepperoni pizza looks good and her spit is going all over my food, and I thought that was okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be really interesting
0: to see what the new normal is once all of this kind of calms down, hopefully, whether things will go back to how they were before, which I highly doubt, or what's going to evolve into our new normal.
1: I don't think it will. I don't think it will go back for a really long time. And I honestly think it's going to take years for people to. I think we're going to see a lot more people wearing masks. I think even if there's a vaccine, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more cleanliness or I hope.
0: (laughs) Right. Hopefully, hopefully, if people take anything away from this, (laughs) better hygiene um, and infection control prevention uh, are two of the things they take away from it. (laughs)
1: Yes, I hope so. I, you know, I wish we were just out of this, you know, wish it never happened, obviously, but um, it's tough. It's tough.
0: Well, I wanted to kind of thank you for taking a little bit. I know you've had a crazy, hectic night, so I really appreciate you coming on. And also, can I just say how much I appreciate that you also work night shifts so we can have these little <laughs> talks, whether we're texting each other at 2 a.m. or doing a podcast at 2 a.m. I <laughs> always appreciate it. It's nice to have someone that doesn't judge me for my lack of sleeping due to night shift.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, I know. I feel like we, when we are on the same schedule And when we are not on the same schedule, we are still on the same schedule and we are awake. (laughs) And I'm just glad that we're so similar in our boats of being, you know, newer RTs. And I'm glad that I can come to you for advice and help. And I just appreciate you and everything that you're doing and, you know, sharing your knowledge and your career with everybody. I think there's a lot of people that look up to you. And um, I just want to send you all the kudos. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously.
0: That is so much nicer than what I said, but I do appreciate like actually being able to, cause we did spend a lot of time messaging back and forth when this all started. These are the kinds of things I'm seeing. What are you doing? What are you experiencing? Are you doing okay? And it was really nice to have someone that, like you said, is in a very similar boat to me. We're very close in states. We graduated around similar times. And we're both doing a lot of really similar things. Like you have a lot of people that are looking up to you on social media now. And can I just say, again, I know I mentioned this at the beginning, I am so excited that figs finally picked you up as a brand ambassador because how long have I been telling you (laughs) when is somebody going to pick you up (laughs) because somebody needs to pick you up because you've got an amazing social media presence and just the way you. you talk to people and include people and for content is about 348 times Better than mine. So I was like, no, what the heck is taking <laughs> so long? When is Figs going to pick him up specifically?
1: <laughs> I know. I've probably spent like $600 in fig scrub purchases. So it's about time that they noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I am the first respiratory therapist, uh, Figs ambassador. Um, so and that, that is amazing. Thrilling really amazing to get our field out there because often we are the underdog as you know um, and I think our presence is really making a difference and I'm sure you get all these people asking you questions as do I and it's just crazy that we're able to help people like that you know mm-hmm. I mean obviously we love helping people we're in healthcare, care um, but you know to just hear it from people that we made a difference and we helped them get into this field and, you know, seeing them, just everything that we do, it's just, it's really awesome to be a part of other people's lives like that.
0: Right. And now that we're both all mushy here and reminiscing, just thank you again for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, and again, you guys need to go find Gary on Instagram at Gary RT. And then he does have some videos floating around on YouTube. I'm going to try to talk you into doing a and a with me once you come back to uh, Las Vegas so we can do an updated one. But no, before no. we go is there, before we go, is there anything else you want to add on?
1: No, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you to anyone who's listening. And I hope we were able to bring some insight into what it's like um, during a pandemic. So (laughs) thank you.
0: Thanks again for joining us for this episode of RT Lab. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at rtlab.podcast to stay up to date with the most recent episodes we'll be coming out with, as well as following us on whatever listening platform you're using to keep being part of this conversation. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time.